Yes, indeedy, dear listener. It is a praise down, good trash uh, genre cast uh, crossover episode. Uh, the greatest crossover in world history. Right? Recording much later than we normally do. It's a uh, it's much a, later. Yeah, it's a different. It's a different vibe tonight. Yeah, very, very, very much so. So, um, I, you know, um, well, I guess we just need to do introductions first. I think before we do anything else. So, um, everybody, just go around and tell us who you are, um, uh, which show you represent, in case uh, people need to have differentiation, in case it's the first time they ever tune into either of our shows. Who are you, sir? Uh, my name is Heath Huffman. I hail from the Praise Down, the nicest objective Christian music review show on the web. Very good, sir. Who are you? My name is Dalton Stewart, uh, long and late of the Good Trash Genre cast, and all your followers are blind. Too much heaven on their minds. All right, very good. Next, sir, who are you? Uh, I'm Alex Sanchez from The Praise Down also. I didn't know we were supposed to have quotes. That's our thing. You don't have to. Okay. No, it's okay. You're good. <laughs> yeah, hang on. What's our thing? What? Oh, my gosh. Uh, my name is Not Alex. doing a clean intro. My name <laughs> 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 That is true. All right, next, sir, who are you? <laughs> I am Arthur Gordon, and Dalton, prove to me you're no fool. Walk across my swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> Time and place, buddy. I would love to splish and splash. That's, wow. My name's Dustin Sells, and I'm going to tell you what's the buzz, and I'm going to tell you what's happening, and it's going to be good times, and we are going to do uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, uh, which is... On this, your blessed Easter, Easter Sunday, in whichever, whichever uh, podcast feed you happen to be listening to. Right. So uh, for Easter, we just thought it'd be good to do a crossover. And so uh, we are going to do a musical so uh, we can bring in the uh, excellent skills of our Praise Down crew. Oh, we're children. <laughs> yeah, we, we're not good at anything. And we're also going to uh, do some film analysis because it's also a movie that has been made into a musical. So uh, it's good times will be had uh, by all for that. If you're tuning in for the very first time, dear listener, we have to warn you, um, there will be spoilers. Uh, we are going to... Uh, <laughs> They, you know, I keep watching these Jesus movies. They all end the same, Look, though. I will say this. It's very disappointing. They do all end the same, and this does have the ending you expect. However, there is some truly outlandish and amazing shit in this movie that, if you haven't seen it, it would... It, it, you'll you'll have a lesser experience not seeing it for the first time when you watch the film and knowing nothing about it. So if you do know nothing about it, 
I would honestly go ahead and watch it because yeah. it's, it's that wild. So for the, about the first 10 minutes or so of the show, we're going to do a quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews, and then we're going to get down to business right away. Um, and so once we do that, though, all spoiler bets are off. If you're tuning in for a little bit, just getting a little taste, a little flavor of what we're all about, uh, you can do that and hear what we think of Jesus Christ Superstar. So without any further ado, my dear co-host, I'm going to go to Alex first. Alex, what do you like? Whoa, whoa, hold up. Oh. Hold on now. This crossover's got you all screwed oh, up. Oh, you know, I did leave out a very important piece. Yeah, it's part of the foreplay. It is part of the foreplay, and it's very mm. important. Mm. And uh, that is that we always have a synopsis from the voice of the cinema, Mr. Arthur Gordon. So, yes, we do need to have that, or this will not be the right thing. We've done everything wrong because we have to stick to the liturgy if we're going to do the show properly. So, Mr. Arthur Gordon, voice of the cinema, let's hear that synopsis, please. Film version of the musical stage play presenting the last few weeks of Christ's life told in an anachronistic manner. Uh, well, okay. First of all, it's a week, not weeks, and but that's a terrible. I wasn't, I wasn't aware there'd be foreplay. Yeah. <laughs> This I mean, if you want to do it right. You've been doing it wrong, man. You guys are such gracious lovers over at Good Trash Genre Cast. <laughs> Very selfless. Uh, aren't we, though? Um, so now, as I already announced, Alex, I'm going to go to you first. Um, okay. Did you or did you not like uh, Jesus Christ Superstar? And tell me a reason or two why. I did like it. I don't know how effusive we're supposed to be in this first part because I, I loved it. I hands i was super horny for this movie the whole time it was super good <laughs> it was incredible i loved it uh, i loved every second of it um because it has a lot of things that i like the music is all very complicated time signatures which is a lot of fun and uh all it's all so over the top in a way that i buy 100 percent. excellent excellent thank you very much for that mr alex sanchez mr arthur gordon i go to you next what do you think? Did you like Jesus Christ Superstar, and uh, why or why not? I, I did enjoy it quite a bit, as Alex mentioned. Uh, the music is great. It's got some phenomenal tunes going through it. Uh, some beautiful cinematography shot in Tel Aviv, as Dustin uh, elaborated for us. Uh, so it looks great, uh, directed by Norman Jewison, uh, who you may know from uh, uh, In the Heat of the Night and probably most recently The Hurricane, uh, which isn't too recent, but uh, of the 2000s. Uh, so it looks great. Uh, it's well put together. I think he does a great job of... Uh, filming this musical, which it can be a daunting task, especially kind of these broader outdoors type shots that we're doing. Uh, so it looks great, uh, sounds great, and it's a very interesting take on an age-old story, and uh, that is quite refreshing, I think. All right, thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Heath Huffman, dressed like a uh, Roman soldier a little bit. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> I've been saving that you all are, night long. You are so correct. Uh, it's the exact same shade of purple. This really is the exact same crossover because we're for those of you who are not watching the show live. <laughs> I am wearing a purple top and pants, as the Roman soldiers are wont to do in this film. So, Heath, did you like Jesus Christ Superstar? And tell me why or why not? I did. I really appreciated this movie. It, it kind of goes really well with our vibe over at the Praise Down because it is blasphemous yet sincere. Right? Ooh. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. That feels like a very accurate summation of your show, yeah. Yeah, the musical numbers are, as Alex said, over-the-top explosive, I'd say. And I bought every minute of it, just like Alex. We're, we like things the same. <laughs> so 
big surprise there. That's a fair point there. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Heath Huffman. Mr. Dalton Stewart, and lastly, sir, um, did you or did you not like Jesus Christ Superstar uh, and tell me why? Oh, Dustin. Oh, oh, Dustin. Yes. A hundred times yes. This movie is fantastic. It's everything that I hoped it would be. It is the most early 70s film I think I have ever seen in my damn life. Uh, the way that this film... Uh, chooses to begin and end there's a great bookend sequence at the start and at the end of this film that i really feel like just captures everything you need to know where they really shatter the fourth wall and acknowledge the artifice of the film uh and potentially the artifice of any great legend or story and how that doesn't really matter because it's magic on it's uh, it's great uh it's 70s as hell it's pretty political uh which fits in line with its 70s nature the licks rip the music in this movie is so good there are some songs that feel way ahead of their time uh just sonically in ways that i really appreciate dustin i'm i, I don't know whose idea it was to do this but i'm so glad uh we chose to and dustin i'm so glad uh you being the only one that had seen this before that you you uh you walked us through it uh it was wonderful yeah, so, uh, yeah, coming to me, then finally, uh, yeah, I like Jesus Christ Superstar a lot. It's my second favorite Jesus movie, as I've said before, although I do get bored that they always end the same. It's very, very terrible. It's like reading the Gospels. You know, you read right through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You wonder why they keep killing him. It's, um... It's, yeah, it's not the most narratively satisfying thing. Yeah, yeah, you get, really, you got to get a mix it up with something else, or if, if you're going to go about that. But um, no, it's a great movie. Um, it's very, very well performed. I got to say, our, our our actors are amazing. They're great in this film. Judas Iscariot uh, just kills it. Uh, Judas Jesus is very, very good himself. Um, I'm a big fan of Caiaphas as well in that low bass voice. Man, that tenor too on uh, his uh, his uh, second in command. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Annas, Ananias. Uh, so yeah yeah and then uh lastly i just got to give a shout out to simon the zealot who does a great little bit where he's trying to get jesus to go in this sort of uh uh anti-rome kind of way and it's very very exciting and i, I really dig him as well and we haven't even talked really about the costumes about uh the fact that they're shooting in actual uh potentially period correct ruins um all of the weird some of the roman soldiers are just randomly carrying guns like there's so much wild stuff in this movie um it, it's quite an exciting film it's definitely anachronistic i mean for sure for sure so the synopsis definitely nailed it with that one so uh yeah it didn't feel delicately put together which i thought was really a really wonderful choice there is no part of this movie that is precious that is a for sure Mm -hmm. uh so good times good times so if you want to be part of the conversation with us all dear listener you can do that uh via various magical means of social media so dalton why don't you talk about uh good trash stuff and then heath could you tell us about praise down stuff so Dalton yeah. first, go. Oh man, it's me and Heath's first tag team match. This is really exciting. Okay, so first and foremost, you can find the Good Trash Media on Twitter at good underscore trash. You can hit us up there for anything uh, Good Trash Media related, whether it's the Good Trash Honorcast, uh, the Praise Down, questions about projects we have in the running, questions about the Patreon, uh, questions about why we do we what we do, how we do what we do, scheduling, um, uh, films that are on deck or that you are interested in seeing us do all of that stuff at good underscore trash if you have longer form feedback you can get us at good trash genre cast at gmail.com um again uh, we we want to know what you think uh we're not here pretending we are arbiters uh with the first and last authority to say anything we're all a bunch of fucking knuckleheads so uh, if you have something you got to say that's good trash genrecast at gmail.com of course if you would uh, rate review and subscribe to the show on uh, whatever pod catching 
uh, system you use, that would be really great for us. Uh, if you want to do that with further praise down too, that would be really great. Uh, anything that you like that's good trash adjacent, maybe some of those old shows that are on hiatus. I don't know. Maybe perchance we're talking about bringing some of them back. I don't. Why do you get stand on my shit? We'll tell you when we're ready. Um, last look, just tell your friends. You don't have to be online. Um, sure, there's a Facebook too, facebook.com forward slash GTM. Dustin has the alert set up, so if it's an emergency, he'll see it. But I don't know. Go, go, uh, go tell Barbara, uh, whether it's a real Barbara or like, a, you know, the Royal Barbara, the Universal Barb. Tell, tell a friend. Tell somebody you care about uh, that uh, y- there's a great movie podcast out there that y- you really appreciate and you want to share with them. Finally, um, this show, uh, tonight specifically, is. Uh, Probably uh, due in large part to uh, Patreon, honestly, because um, we got that money in the bank. I mean, Arthur uh, has uh, provided for us tonight some new mics, a new soundboard. Um, it's a really exciting time over here at Good Trash Media. So if you want to be a part of that, you do not have to. We're not going to pressure you. Um, we're not going to do like a drive thing where we make you feel guilty. Uh, but if you want to contribute, you can go to patreon.com forward slash GTM. That keeps the lights on. Heath Hoffman, I'm tagging you in, bud. Physically tag me. Thank you, Dalton. It's good to hear. Dalton's over at Twitter at Dalsu. He loves when you at him. You forgot to mention. Don't that. do it. It's his favorite thing. He's just playing hard to get, listener. You can find the Praise Down on Facebook at the Praise Down with Heath and Alex. We update that in a more long form way most often. You can find us on Twitter at the Praise Down. Uh, we tweet episodes. We try to interact with people there. If you want to interact with us in a more meaningful way, if you remember a, a weird Christian thing you sort of grew up with, or if you have feedback about the show, you can hit us up at the mailbag at thepraisedown at gmail.com. Are, are we anywhere else, Alex? Can you? Uh... We have personal Twitter accounts. We have personal Twitter accounts. I'm at I'm at Huffman Heath. Just my, it's just last name, first name. Mm-hmm. Alex, you're at. I'm at Sirius Sanchez. And uh, you can talk to us there if you feel like it. Uh, we don't, we don't care where you reach us at. We'd prefer it if you hit us up at the mailbag because we'd mm-hmm. like to make the mailbag minute a real segment. We're also uh, on every podcast streaming service. If you're joining us from the Good Trash feed. All righty. Well, thank you very much for that. Now you know how to be part of the conversation. I believe it is already time to get down to Time to get started with Toon Talk right now. Well, is that how you guys do it? That yeah, that's our. We've got a stinger that was just uh, put up. Oh, is a newbie for Toon Talk? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we had I'm Wampus so Reynolds that. did it. That's awesome. It's beautiful. We're really hamming it up over at the Praise Down. We have stingers for every segment. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love the Oh, yes. Brand consistency. Oh, format consistency. I love it, guys. You know that that shit gets me going. Uh, so, yeah, no no game this week. Uh, we're getting right down to business and tune talk. Right, Dustin? That's right. And so the first order of business is we have the ec- excellent acumen of Mr. Uh, Heath Huffman and Alex Sanchez to talk about music. This is a musical, and they sing a lot. So can you? Tell us uh, what's going it, on. Elucidate us. Tell it. Tell it. Tell us what's interesting about. It. I, I I like the music. I think it's fun. Um, I think the riffs rip. But I don't know a lot about these kind of things. So give me some evaluation there, sir. 
The thing that sticks out the hardest, and I'm springboarding this for Alex mostly, is the time signature changes. They're gratuitous, and I like them that way. It's insane. The level of math in this movie, <laughs> music-wise... Is Da Vinci Code level. It's Da which, Vinci Code. <laughs> which is very apt. Yeah, the... Just doing things in five, doing things in seven, like doing polyrhythms sometimes, where they'll have like someone singing in three over someone singing in five. Yeah, what scene was it where they were... Uh, was it was it the Palm Sunday thing? Mm-hmm. Where... where uh, Someone was, was it Jesus singing in the foreground in three and the people in the back singing in the background in five? I think so. I think I, we would have to have taken notes. There's Yes, we would have had to have taken notes a little bit more. Well, on top of that, they've got the he is dangerous uh, bit going on yeah. top of it, which is a whole nother rhythm. So, mm-hmm. there's, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a rad scene. Mm-hmm. It's insane. I want to talk about the reprises. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's the only thing I feel even remotely qualified to have an opinion about just because, uh, you know, a little bit of a theater background in high school. And hey, you're then qualified just... to have any opinion you want. Hey, thanks, buddy. That was real sweet of you. Uh, and I, I like musicals, generally speaking. Yeah, there, there's a really creative use of uh, reprise in this film to kind of, like, underscore dramatic irony um, and to, like, underscore moments of... Uh... Look, th- there are no surprises in this narrative if you're aware of the Christ narrative, but the surprises that exist in that narrative are often underscored by some really cool reprise uses, and I, I really, really enjoyed that aspect of it. There's the one in particular. Uh, Dustin, help me out here. What are they singing in, the, in that one? Hosanna. Hosanna. Ho- hey, Zanna, Hosanna. Yeah. yeah Hosanna, Hosanna. That was my favorite reprise without a question. Because yeah. that was very much Jesus's like, pro-wrestling walk-in music mm-hmm. in the beginning <laughs> of the film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then they give him that face heel turn. And then... The people yeah, turn on him. And then, yeah... Uh, in the crucifixion scene, they start singing it at him rather than at, you know, the cops or whoever's mad that Jesus is there. Right. And I felt that was like a very, very sort of poignant thing. I want to talk about how goofy, how how goofballs the Herod music was. Uh, yeah, that's the one scene I don't love. You're so wrong. Well... No, I, I I like the movie a lot. I love the movie, but that that's my mm-hmm. least favorite scene. I I think it's wonderful. It's totally weird, but man, it's a lot of fun. I think it it what it does for me is since they don't have a lot of the crowd being super derisive of Jesus, they're just sort of like yelling at him and like being mad at him. But the the Herod scene really puts into perspective that like the crowd now thinks he's a fraud and they're all making fun of him. They didn't do the crown of thorns making fun of him. They didn't do like some of the other mocking. So I thought that was a good stand in for some of that. Mm -hmm. Dustin, you are correct that that song does not fit the rest of the song in any sort of overarching context. It's, it's like, it's, um, it's like, it's kind of superimposed from a sort of, weirder sort of show tunesy yeah of, it's from a different era. musical yeah yeah i kind of like that aspect of it though uh we we joke that this uh musical is better than hamilton but it's kind of got that same aspect of the uh, king george song in hamilton oh, where it totally broke breaks the the flow of what you've had before because it's this authority figure right well not only that i, I think going into act two of hamilton when thomas jefferson shows up we've got a uh-huh. completely switch you that's know, true a uh, different style of music there and i think that's kind of what's happening uh in uh, jesus christ superstar um 
I think it works. I don't know. I, I, I kind of like the break uh, from the rest of the flow of the film. I do too. Yeah. I think it's a bit refreshing. Uh, and I think to Alex's point, it, it kind of drives home that kind of mocking uh, moment uh, in, in the Jesus story uh, yeah. that we don't really see up to that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fact that it's so goofballs makes it makes it twice as poignant. Can we talk about the use of uh, raspy hair metal high notes? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you can. We absolutely can do that. There's a lot of, like, glam rock in this for yes, there is. sure. It's just mathy glam rock. It's beautiful. Yeah. It, this film sort of taps into... It uses things like that to tap into the more epic side of this story. Mm-hmm. Because this, because this, uh, this story, you know, Christian mythos doesn't always have the same level of flash that you know norse mythos does right or greek mythos does this sort of makes a case for christian mythos being every bit as uh long hair leather pants badass quick what other bible stories deserve this treatment jonah (laughs) okay samson was my first thought samson is so metal right yeah samson's very metal um elijah yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I can get behind that. Okay. I've yeah. got two. Um, give me some Job, uh, but it's a real, like, Tom Waits fucking jam. Oh. Uh, just, yeah. And then give me I... Revelations, and it's a real Pink Floyd the Wall type thing. Ooh. I, I am all in on your Tom Waits Job, man. Mm-hmm. That is that is very, very good. Thank I you. Like that. I'd be very in for a very psychedelic rock revelation story. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. I feel like Paul's epistles are like this really Bob Dylan thing. Oh, shit. Whoa. Oh, I ain't gonna work on Mary's Maggie's farm no more. Oh, my gosh. Set Anissimus free. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Do just that. Oh, that's so good. Which which of Paul's letters is the 80s Bob Dylan phase? (laughs) Huh, that's a good question. It's probably one of the ones where he's telling people not to fuck, right? Uh, uh, yeah, well, I was thinking, he, he, he writes First Corinthians real pissed, and so I would go with that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm into that, yeah. That's funny. Um. All right, well, do you guys have any other musical notes you want to uh, make about uh, the film? I just want to talk about Judas being a fucking powerhouse. A lights-out yeah. knockout the yes, whole movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. This is the only film that I've been sold on judas in yeah i think why it works so well is judas kind of has the protagonist role in this musical in a lot of ways i mean he gets the big opener he gets the big closer um jesus really is kind of a secondary protagonist uh throughout like the second and third act of the film in a way that's really interesting where they they kind of hand it off to each other uh, at a couple of different points in the movie and i I really enjoyed that aspect of it Mm -hmm. they 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 uh i mean look they exist as foils to that to each other in that story already, but I think the, the structure of Jesus Christ Superstar really underlines that in uh, a, a way that I, I don't know that I've seen done in film portrayals of, uh, of of the Christ story, uh, where you get that that very on the nose literalization of that foil relationship they have. I like it a lot. Yeah, I mean, you don't really like get a lot of in in the Gospels proper. You don't get a ton of face time with Jesus and Judas. Yeah, I mean, Dustin, you're obviously the the most well read on this for uh, 
decidedly clear reasons. How much uh, do you, is there like overall in the Gospels? Uh, Judas talk between not, the, the FaceTime with them. Like, uh, between the two of them, there's not very much at all. Wow. You know? yeah. yeah, that doesn't really. He doesn't really occur a whole lot as a character. He's listed as Judas, who later betray him. Uh, John's Gospel plays a bit more attention to him because John. Uh, really doesn't like Judas. Uh, Mark um, is kind of neutral on Judas. Mark's uh, the Mark's gospel's opinion of Judas is not unlike what we see in Jesus Christ Superstar. Cool. And uh, but nice. but John uh, makes sure he ma- adds a lot of details to make uh, Judas look as bad as possible. Yeah, I mean, the last time I've gone, I've blown through the gospels. Uh, I the, the take I kind of got on Judas is that he was a, a nerd. That <laughs> he was just a nerd who was like, don't. Like, waste that perfume, we could Craigslist it or whatever for money. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's, that's, that's pretty typical, I think, there with that. But, yeah, I, I think it's a very, very powerful uh, Judas. And we're going to talk about this Judas portrayal uh, a bit more and yeah, I don't betrayal wanna, yeah, I don't wanna, later. I don't want to step on film analysis too much, but his performance was wrought with a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the – I haven't really been, like – faced with this idea that Judas had to make a really, really difficult choice to sell his buddy out. And the performance made me believe it in a way that was very sad. Yeah, it was, it, it hit me, it hit me good. Yeah, it's great. Uh, uh, do we feel like that's a wrap on Toon Talk, fellas? Yes. We feel yep. good? All right, Dustin, why don't you uh, do what you always do and uh, lead us into that, that the juicy film analysis, All that right. roundtable well, discussion. Let's move into some analysis. Let's just do some easy stuff to sort of start getting everything you know comfortable, and then we'll really work on into some of the, the heavier issues. First of all, let's just talk about some formalism stuff. Uh, there's some uses of freeze frames and of uh, slow motion photography in this film. Um, I love the slow motion photography. I am not entirely sold on the freeze frames. What do you guys think about those little uh, formal choices here in this film before we get into just the, the scenes and the, uh, the sort of use of setting and uh, that kind of stuff? I, I think a lot of these formal techniques work. As you're watching, th- I mean, uh, Norman Jewison is, I mean, he's a gifted director. He's very experienced. And I think he knows what he's doing. Uh, in using these techniques to help tell his story and emphasize the themes. The kind of the first real instance of this is, uh, you know, the, the song is questioning, is Jesus ready to die? Mm-hmm. And then there's that freeze frame on Jesus' face like, I, I, I don't know. Um, and I think it helps to uh, reinforce kind of those quandaries uh, that the characters are going through. Uh, and a lot of it is also just uh, a weird stylish thing. I think uh, kind of the 70s acid movie type thing you would see. Yeah, um, which kind of we talked about the film not being kind of polished or pretty, uh, and I think it helps reinforce that idea. This kind of weird '70s hippie free love kind of aesthetic that the movie adopts. Yeah, it's got I a real that, underground quality. Yeah, and, and I think those those kind of flourishes are helping to achieve that as well. I, I think for the most part that they work. Uh, you know, we we keep saying that that uh, the uh, the Herod scene is kind of tonally out of place, but I don't know know that it is, uh, considering we have a scene where tanks chase Judas across the desert, yeah. uh, and there are uh, greeting cards in the uh, the temples, uh, postcards to uh, Tel Aviv. Uh, so I, I I feel like it all kind of works together to kind of 
make this more cohesive and not make those moments seem so out of place uh, in what they're doing. I'm right there with you, Arthur. Yeah, I think the the freeze frames are usually underscore used to underscore like a moment of an, uh, intense emotion, right? Mm-hmm. Like Jesus is realizing, oh shit, I don't. I, you're right. I don't know if I want to do this. Uh, moments where these dancers are jumping up and you know jubilation at their love uh, for the Lord who they will soon turn on. Uh, these really great moments. My favorite series of freeze frames is not actually a freeze frame of what's happening on film. It is a freeze frame of portraits depicting the crucifixion yes. of Christ when he's having this moment of doubt. And it is my favorite part of the entire movie. Yeah, that's down. awesome. It's yeah. absolutely amazing. Uh, and again, Dustin, as you already mentioned, I don't need to sell you on the slow motion scenes. I think they are amazing. They, they are knockout, lights out, great moments in the film that are used sparingly. Uh, there's not like an over-reliance on that slow motion. And again, it, it serves to underscore these really big moments, I think, and exists to give you that... That uh, moments of violence feel like they last forever, right? And I I think Mm -hmm. they do a really great job of underscoring that during uh, the the flogging of Jesus. Now, generally, I want to talk just again about the form of the film uh, because one of the things that you find to be a problem with uh, musicals being adapted to the screen is that they do feel like filmed stage musicals they feel too stagey and this film i think escapes that trap entirely yeah um they do doing so with the sets i think but also with the camera what do you guys think uh, about just that sort of idea just how uns how they're able to sort of wrestle this film away from uh the stage uh beginnings of it well they work within their budget right i mean right. they they show up on a bus there is a scaffolding they put up and little else. I mean, the sets are literally just the ruins they're shooting in. Um, and I think leaning into that budgetary limitation gives them an ability to put the camera in interesting places, you know, using what money they have in interesting ways, right? Uh, and you're exactly right, Dustin. Having to rely more on camera than sets forces them to have a kind of a, a visual dynamism that's often missing, missing from uh, stage to screen adaptations. I think musicals get away with a little bit more because the nature of musical numbers allow more cinematic inventiveness than, you know, just like a three-hander uh, th- that you would get from a real walk-and-talk type play. Um, you know, like a Sorkin movie. Uh, right. So, what? well, and, you know, some of those are better than others, film, uh, speak visually. Uh, but again, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right, Dustin, that uh, they, uh, in keying, te- teeing us up, rather, to, to suggest that the film does a really great job of avoiding that trap. Yeah. So, okay. Well, let's move away from formalism. Let's talk thematics now. This is this is where we can all talk about uh, some of this crazy stuff that's going on in this movie. So, the first thing we got to talk about is 1972-73. We got Nixon in office. We got the Vietnam War going on, and we've got some interesting. We've already mentioned the tanks. We've already met. We haven't mentioned the uh, the uh, F-16 fighters that come through. Nope. We haven't mentioned the they fact didn't have to. It's my thing. <laughs> yeah. The fact that uh, the Roman soldiers sometimes carry AK-47, sometimes they carry Uzi. Sometimes they carry spears and swords. Um, there are grenades being sold at the uh, um, the the temple of money yeah, changers. There's an M60 uh, from the Vietnam War just <laughs> on a table. So you know, um, yeah. Let, what is what's this, what's this movie doing here with uh, Nixon in the war? I mean, is, is there something obvious that we can point out, or less obvious? The war is hell. Did we, yeah. Well, I, I think it fits in with the rest. I mean, we're looking at a film that comes out in in the kind of peak of the new Hollywood where we've got this uh, kind of rise in film, kind of these independent directors who are kind of going in and doing things uh, and and bleeding into the studio somewhat, you know, following in the footsteps of early Scorsese and Arthur Penn and and kind of changing uh, the way we view film and and, uh, Warren Beatty as well. Um, 
But these guys, you know, it, it, it became a film of the counterculture, uh, this youth that was trying to rise up against an institution. Uh, and a lot of these films, you know, the institution actually wound up winning in some form or, or manner. And that's really the, the story of Christ at the, at the base level. This, this group of people who wanted to rise up and change a world uh, where politics overpowered them and, and the system won and the system reigned. And, and that's really kind of the, the narrative of the late 60s and into the 70s and in film. You're looking at Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. You look at Bonnie and Clyde. You look at these movies of these people who are, are rebelling against the system and the system still wins and the system still overtakes them. And I think at the heart of this film, that's still the base story that's being told, but it's being told to us through a narrative that we've, you know, most all Americans have heard since birth and are familiar with, you know, since America was founded, right? I mean, this, yeah, just story. by virtue of our, our, our cultural history, yeah. yeah. And so I, I really feel that's, you know, adding in this kind of military imagery and uh, uh, iconography is kind of reinforcing those motifs that play here. I also think this film kind of finds a way to discuss the various theories on effective revolution very well. Ooh. I think yeah. so, yeah. So the the scene with Jesus and Simon, and, and you know, Simon's like, what if we tossed a little bit more of an anti-Rome thing into your message? There's a real sort of Martin and Malcolm thing going on there, right? Mm-hmm. And the way that Judas interacts with Jesus is completely different because Judas – ultimately believes Jesus is a human who is not the embodiment of the cause. Mm -hmm. Judas, I find Judas believing in the, in the cause more than he believes in the leader of the cause, which I think is a, which is another dynamic that a lot of these social movements have to end up tackling at some point or another. And, the idea that Jesus has to die in order to preserve the cause is another interesting thing that I thought um, doesn't get engaged with very often. Like the idea of necessary martyrdom, the idea that like you, you know, you live a hero, bah, 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 mm-hmm. right. And, and uh, even, even martyrdom that doesn't necessarily mean that you win just martyrdom almost for its own sake because like we said the system did win here so it's it's like they're saying that the only way that you can lose is to not fight as long as you Mm -hmm. fight you're winning well and i i really do love the choice to uh go anachronistic uh lyrically at the end of the film when judas shows up uh, as a a sick-ass ghost uh and says a bowie ghost why did you do this then and in this weird place there was no mass media in galilee Mm -hmm. why why then? Why where where it happened? And I I think the film finds a way to tie the revolutionary politics of the early Christian movement with the revolutionary politics of the late sixties and early seventies, uh, and tying those into modern themes keep this film relevant today. Right? Gasp! I think society always has to be reminded that the story of Jesus is the story of a man who grew up in an occupied country by the greatest superpower in the world and chose to resist that state saying that it was not all powerful and was in turn executed by the state. I mean, that is the fundamental Christian story. And uh, that is, that that's an important reminder all the time. Weird that there's so many Christians that love the death penalty, huh? It is very weird. It's kind of a, uh... 
That's a weird cognitive dissonance that we get you got going on there. Well, read your own bloody book, folks. That's what I got to mm-hmm. say to you. Um, but nonetheless, I, I, I digress on uh, that particular point. And yes, I read the earlier parts. It's progressive revelation, stupid. Anyway, um, sorry, I addressed it like three people that weren't even probably listening to this podcast. <laughs> sure, sure. I hope, Look, I, I, I hope they tune. That's in. literally the job of a podcast. I that's think true. Yeah. is my understanding. So uh, okay, excellent, excellent. So that that's a really fun stuff. Um, now let's, let's this movie is super controversial. Was very controversial as a musical. Was very controversial in the seventies. I remember at one point I was going to watch this movie, and um, like a relative found out that I was going to watch, it and like please, please, just don't don't let your eyes see this thing. And I'm like, really? Is it is it is it the thing? And and Heath, you called it um, sincere blasphemy, blasphemous yet sincere. So uh, let's let's just unpack that a little bit. What what do we find uh, at variance from Sunday school. What we find at variance from what we understand, how is this movie engaging in the Jesus story in ways that are perhaps blasphemous or at least heterodox? I like the way that it sort of shows Jesus as a puppet of the system as much as anybody else. Mm-hmm. He's just he's just playing a part in this big drama that they have to enact in order to forgive the world of their sins. And everybody's got a part to play in it, but the only one who has to face any consequences is Jesus. It's some real Matrix Reloaded Matrix Revolution shit. It's that's, some real complicating the hero myth, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, that, that's, yeah, that's why everybody comes in on a bus, they all do the drama, and they all leave on the bus, except for Jesus, because Jesus had to sacrifice his damn life. Yeah. He had to take the dang bullet. Uh, mm-hmm. He doesn't get to go to the party. Right. Uh, and there, there is something really great. Uh, one of my favorite moments that, that does uh, a great job of veering from the canon is the moment where the um the ooh, what's the best way to put this uh the, the sick and lame are coming to the lord oh, yeah, and yeah. asking for assistance uh and he finds it too much well that's actually not a the empathy hurts too much is that in there there's there's a there's a there's a story in which he goes into a village and he was unable to heal them there yeah damn i didn't even know that yeah, see that's a, that's a thing that happens like i checked out at, or a, a long time ago so it's been a while but that, that that idea that it's tough and it's hard and it's frustrating and he's exhausted i mean there there's a there's a scene early in matthew's gospels where uh he finds out john's been beheaded he has to feed the five thousand. the disciples are stupid and super super dowdy and he's like i just want to go away and rest for a while i mean so there 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 is some of that in a sort of internal psychological character of Jesus, the Gospels, but we don't get a lot of that. And that's mm-hmm. where I think uh, the blasphemy charge usually finds itself being levied in some of these films is because they go beyond the page to find some sort of psychological insight into Jesus and the other uh, characters of the stories. The sort of Sunday school youth group Jesus I grew up with, they love to acknowledge the premise that Jesus was god but he's also a person the thing that i heard in youth group a lot was jesus is god with skin on but the way that usually played out in in church was jesus was a human but he was like a max level human like right. not yeah not really really like a human like yeah. like the rest of us yeah. yeah he he um he had flesh and bones but he like never did anything wrong and he mm-hmm. never never like wrestled with the possibilities of doing anything wrong he was tempted in the desert but there was really never anything to worry about because Jesus was a human, but, like, not. You know what I mean? Right. He was he was max level, like, morally, or morally and miraculously speaking, right? And this movie kind of wrestles with this idea that what if Jesus was more human than 
people in your Sunday school classes and youth groups were letting on. I, did, I want to point out one thing as we go on into the conversation. I, I heard the same kind of talk about Jesus. There actually was a first century heresy called docetism that thought that, and it's heresy. It's actually renounced, denounced by the Christian church in the earliest forms to have that sort of notion of Jesus. So it's docetism heresy. Wow. Um, and wow. Uh, to, to, to say that Jesus is basically um, thick gum ghosty, you know, uh, some sort of meaty version of just God, but not really human, tempted and suffering in the same ways that any human being would. Go ahead, Arthur. Well, I was just going to say, you know, in, in, in the small Christian college that I went to, uh, th- one of the questions in the, a lot of theology courses was, you know, could Jesus have sinned? And to me, that was never, I, I don't know why that should be a debate, because if he can't sin, then the sacrifice means nothing, right? I mean, from a narrative standpoint, if he mm-hmm. can't sin, then what's the point? Like to me, and, and so I've always kind of been bothered by yeah. that. I don't. I mean, there are no stakes. He's just Superman. Like, yeah. there's nothing interesting or fascinating about Superman. He's just Bible times John Cena, right? Yeah. Well, look, <laughs> and, and this comes again from a misappropriation of the doctrine of the virgin birth. You know, the reason for the virgin birth in this misappropriated version is that Jesus is born of the Virgin Mary, so that there's no sin involved. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about him being God's son. It's about avoiding sin because somehow sex equals sin. This is not what the early church thought either. They thought Jesus actually was born in sinful flesh. In our flesh because if he doesn't take on our flesh he can't redeem our flesh it's not us he's not dying for us because he's not actually one of us wait you're telling me the early church was like no john was or not john um crap no, no, joseph the, no the early church believed in the virgin birth they okay they didn't believe the, ra- the rationale for the virgin birth gotcha to be okay somehow to avoid sin okay that's r- yeah ridiculous and I, th- I thought it was an interesting choice that we don't get married the mother here uh, yeah I, I i honestly wonder if the film could use her well i i think bringing mary into the equation the, uh his mother uh brings in a, a lot of that kind of the the narrative politic of the divinity and i think yeah. this film has to rely on his humanity to work and, yeah and absolutely D- does he ever in the film i didn't catch it do, he doesn't ever uh say that he he's the king right he just says no. you say i am he, ne- he never says he is he never says he isn't i mean it, it's a perfect like ambiguous oh, sort of I answer love it. there i love it <laughs> he's really pleading the fifth in a really funny way he's like are you god he's like you say call- I am. You're calling me that, dude. <laughs> like, what do you think? Yeah, which is either a challenge to actually believe and then change your attitude, or well, you're, you're talking a lot of nonsense. I didn't say yeah. that. that. That's yeah. what you tell me. I don't know. <laughs> Man, that's good. Oh, this movie's great. Yeah, it mm-hmm. really is. And it, it wrestles again with that, which, which is the sort of initial sort of Christian formula that if Jesus can be 100% man and 100% God and that not equal 200%, right? Mm-hmm. How do you wrestle with that, you know, which is a, an enigma. And so I, I do think that's really, really powerful and important. Now, I want to talk about Judas because Judas's uh, particular narrative arc here is interesting there's there are two aspects to it first of all that he might be in on it with jesus that um in in order for the plan to get accomplished the betrayal has to happen that perhaps the film might suggest that one of the most noble acts in all of human history might have been judas's betrayal which is interesting um but the other part is that um that this is all sort of a setup, right? That 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 he is doing this also the worst thing, and that somehow um, the freedom of the will is not there. So there's two really kind of big issues at work there. Which one? Which one, if any, do you guys want to talk about? I love. I just love that he says, "Why must I pay for your crime yeah. to God?" That that rules. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Line. I, I'm a really I, big fan. Oh, go ahead, Heath. I I love 
in this film the way Judas is contrasted with the other disciples. Mm, yeah, he's always shot separately from them, by and large. Yes, I mean, physically he is contrasted. He's the only one wearing color. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not the only disciple of color. He's uh, like Simon was. Yeah, Simon's black too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's he seems like the only person thinking bigger about anything besides Jesus, right? Like all of the other disciples are kind of, I don't know, they're just like chuckle fucks that are really into Jesus, you know? Correct. Yeah. I think that's exactly the film's depiction. Yeah. Yeah. Like these people aren't thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking like Judas is thinking about it because he's into it. Judas was never, even though the Bible goes, Judas, who will betray him. Don't, don't fall in love with him or anything. He's an asshole. Uh, which is what the Bible says, basically, right? Judas doesn't know he's going to do that until until he's presented the opportunity. He just wants he just wants the movement to survive, and he's not afraid to criticize Jesus to do so. And I think that's really sort of a noble thing. And I and it I don't know. It's just very believable to me. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, anybody have any other thoughts on Judas? I, I've got a thing I want to say, but I'll, you know. I, I really enjoy uh, the tying of, of Judas's like being fed up with uh, the way things are going down and his like his anxiety uh, about the worst case scenario being tied to uh, their movement rubbing up against the state and the state's money. Uh, because, it, again, another moment where the film underscores the the similarities that revolutionary figures have throughout history, right? Uh, everybody likes them when they're talking about peace. Nobody likes them when they're saying the way to get peace is for you, everybody, to stop spending all their money on crap mm-hmm. that they don't need and, and spending their money on things that say that they are uh, of a spiritual nature, right? Saying that if you buy this thing, it'll fulfill your life and make you feel like a more whole and complete person. Uh, and when these revolutionary figures rub up against that is when – uh, they get really unpopular with the powers that be. And Judas knows this. Judas recognizes this and is like, stop it. What are you doing? You were going to blow this before we have a chance to get off the ground. Uh, and then when he realizes what has to happen, uh, and again, obviously, the throwing the, the pieces of silver back uh, in, in the faces of the power structure is, you know, is scriptural. But the way it's shot in the film, the way that song plays out, uh, I think really does a great job to kind of put a punctuation mark on that whole kind of, theme that runs throughout the, the Judas's section of the film. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, what I want to talk about then uh, briefly is this idea and this sort of uh, reappraisal of Judas and how it's being used right now. And so I'm going to do a little theology talk. Um, please interrupt to ask questions and that kind of stuff for just a second. Um, so Peter Rollins is an Irish uh, philosopher. Um, he's got a book called The Fidelity of Betrayal. He's part of a tradition called uh, Radical Theology, sometimes also called Death of God Theology. And so that is the uh, the, the sort of uh, ocean I'm swimming in here for just a minute. Um, yeah, it's very metal. And uh, Devil, Devil Horns up from the praise down um so me too yeah so so here's what's really interesting here um that rollins does suggest that the most faithful thing one can do is that when one sees and comes to understand who god is in any way by examining the text then you have to immediately betray that because you don't actually know because that's god and he's too god's too big god's too infinite and you must immediately betray and reject that and again sort of re-acknowledge your unknowing that the only way to be faithful to um to have fidelity to 
to uh, faith in the guy who's revealed himself in Jesus Christ is by betraying always, to uh, reject religion, reject religiosity, to reject all of those structures, and then go back to it again, and then reject your rejections. Oh. There's there's a bit of a through line yeah. to the cloud of unknowing, which yes. keeps coming up on the praise down uh, as, as, it, as it happens. This idea that, like, oh, you found out what God is? <laughs> all right, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> And then the big move that the radical theologians make is this, is that what happened um, as we come up on Easter on Good Friday when uh, Christ is crucified is that God dies and uh, our images of God die. And if we try to keep on uh, making him in our own image, we just continue to per- perpetuate idolatry, that, that religion is fundamentally a form of idolatry. And that oh. because what religion is set up to do, and this is what Judas is suggesting, that religious systems are there to make you happy, to make you better, to be the vending machine at which you go and you put in your time and your worship and your tithes or whatever, and then you get your religious goods and services back that are going to make your life better. And that's never been what Jesus was offering. What Jesus was offering was a revolutionary road of a cross, a continual self-negation continual self-abdication, mm-hmm. continually mm-hmm. rejecting the system and trying to break the whole thing back Breaking, down. killing mm-hmm. that damn ego. And when God dies, what's left in the film is the community on the bus. This is who's going to fix things. We have to keep working together. we got to get on the bus, and we got to do the things. Wow. Let the past die, kill it if you have to. Is Kylo Ren a Dark Christ figure, <laughs> yes or no? <laughs> Whoa. Why dark? The new Star Wars is Uh, Oh, The Last Jedi is at least the second best Star Wars movie. Don't fucking at me. Uh, He's still young space Hitler, though. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Uh, Complicates it in such interesting ways. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I said Heath and Alex. That's what I want to talk to. Dustin, I have never heard that. Not once ever. That is some really great theology. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's absolutely mind-blowing. I mean, obviously, most of the writing, it begins in the 1930s and 40s. Dietrich Bonhoeffer's writing the stuff in rejection of the state church uh, in Nazi Germany, uh, being something of a problem and making uh, one a little disillusioned with it. It carries on forward, but contemporary writers like uh, Peter Rollins, I've already mentioned, Slavoj Zizek also does some dealings with this sort of stuff. Um, Sometimes you find it in a topic called Christian Atheist, Although you find full-out uh, confessional Christians like uh, John Caputo who are doing the same kinds of work. So, um, And then I guess in the 60s and 70s this time, Paul Tillich could be a person you want to look at uh, for that kind of theory. We can't spend another 20 minutes on Christian atheism. No, we can't. We can, we'll talk about <laughs> it. One, two. We can, will can you give me like two minutes on Christian atheism, Christian atheism real quick, uh, Dustin? Because I don't know anything about this and I want to. Um, either there was a God or there wasn't a God. But God either died at the creation of the world or God died on the cross. And all that's left is the love of the spirit between human beings now. So it's some real deism type nice. stuff. Yeah, it, it's, it's very deistic. Yeah, it's it's quite deistic. Very, very cool. But it does, like it does fully subscribe to the uh, the moment of the story whether the story happened or not there are some uh, christian atheists who would say the entire christ narrative as revealed in the gospels is entirely accurate and some would say it's purely mythology but whatever it is it is a life-giving set of stories that one can bound one's life to and by having done so you can find meaning and purpose and direction to make humanity better uh it's like the watership down is remembering the stories of Elahara. i mean that's what you got to do you know, yeah, um, and, 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 and we have to find the stories that are best for rabbits. And uh, Christian atheism suggests that the Christ narrative, whether true or false, is the way to organize life. I'm getting my damn bean freaked over here. Well, that feels like a good place as any to put a pin in it. Uh, well, yeah. If we, have we got anything else we're just desperate I, to talk about? With? I, I do want to talk just for one more second 
about Judas's last, like his last number, his space Bowie, his mm, yeah, yeah, his, yeah, yeah, his space Bowie number, because Judas is really sort of the he, he voices the skeptical Christian so well, yeah, mm-hmm. because I feel like if you have bid on this at any point, you've asked the questions Judas has asked. Especially, especially somebody who's so close to a revolutionary figure, asking these questions like, "Hey, is any of this real? Are you the real deal? Are is we're going a million miles per hour, and I'm terrified. Is any of this real? I need to know if it's real. Tell me if it's real. I'm freaking out." That was that whole song, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. And, and and I think yeah. The, the, to yeah, to doubt is a fundamental Christian position, you know. I mean, I, and I think too little of Christianity sort of recognizes that, and too little of just living life. I mean, forget Christianity for this conversation. Too much certainty is what makes monsters. Well, it ties back in what we were just talking about a little bit ago about uh, you know the, the heresy of trying to know the mind of God, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it ties back into the fact re- reminds us uh, the viewer reminds the audience that. Hey, that thing we just told you about not trying to figure out what's going on, that sucks. And it's hard. And it is a winding road uh, that is a Sisyphean uh, task in nature uh, in which you are forced to uh, suffer an unending world of perils and not really know why and not have an answer. Uh, and you've got to roll with it. And I think you're right, Heath, that it is a great moment to uh, to speak to that, uh, that, 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 um, that bit of doubt. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it kind of feeds into the larger point of my thesis for this film, much like we've all heard, we've maybe heard the saying that, you know, burning the flag is the most patriotic act. Mm. Engaging, engaging almost like blasphemous, blasphemously and questioning, qu- questioning this system in a way that doesn't limit where, where you don't limit yourself in your questioning. You don't limit yourself in your criticism is probably the most noble and holiest way to engage with things like this yeah it's the only it's the only way to avoid idolatry i think i totally mm-hmm. agree yeah, yeah. Um, whatever the system may be um whether it's a, a government system an economic system whether it's a uh, a religious system whether it's just a, a sort of a, a method of institutional education whatever you're looking at um the the inability to ask questions that stuff is fundamentally an idolatry that that hinders human development Always has, always will, mm-hmm. and uh, if nothing else, you know uh, the the person Jesus of Nazareth was all about breaking all that stuff down and turning over all them tables. Mm-hmm. So, uh, good stuff, guys. We've had fun uh, talking uh, Jesus Christ superstar. We have decided to do a marathon here at a Good Trash Media, which means that they're going to do one more show, um, and that one more show will be also a musical. Arthur, tell us words. Did you want to render a verdict on this? Oh, do we want to? Oh, I guess we should. Yeah, absolutely we should. Hey, we're going to do a musical marathon. We're going to talk about more of that later. Um, Heath, shelf or trash, else or instead? And to keep it easy for uh, the two of you, uh, I I know Alex, especially you, um, it doesn't have to be film specific. Any any piece of content that you feel like would pair well with Jesus Christ Superstar, or uh, if you are going to say it should be trash, what should you watch instead? Yeah, perfect. Enjoy instead. Yeah, perfect. Absolutely. I would shelf it. Um, It's... It's really good, you, y'all. It's I. Uh, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. It's, it's, it's really good. Um, it, it, uh, it really blew my noodle open. Um, I would give it. Um, 
I would give it. We got to really reconsider our rating system now. <laughs> Your apostles. Yeah. Well, here, I mean, we're hamming it up over there. We're going to keep it. Um, but I'm going to give it all the disciples because everybody gets to go to heaven. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. All 12. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm using my rating system for this. It's 12 disciples. Um, but this time, Judas is good. This time, yeah, Judas is redeemed and all 12 disciples are in the rating system. Yep. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, I would, if, if you if you are kind of with me on this, I would say try uh, Curse Your Branches by David Bazan. It's an album written by, written by David Bazan. He used to be in Pedro the Lion. He's now back. But he did some solo work for a while, and he does an entire album about his loss of faith. And he still is finding really profound ways to engage with faith. And it's a very interesting and very well-written record lyrically. And it's, uh, it's a real tearjerker at times, too. Um, I can't really think of anything else right off the cuff, but I might popcorn in. All right. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Um, Heath Huffman. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what do you say? Shelf or trash? Else or instead? Shelf. Uh, if you grew up in the Christian church, it is, uh, I would say, an essential film, probably. I, I think it's that damn good and uh, that good of a 70s musical. Uh, what should you pair with it? Um, look, any chance I get to talk about The Leftovers, I'm going to. Damn. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there is a moment in Jesus Christ Superstar when Christ takes Judas a blanket and um, really got a lump in my throat. Um and I will very briefly talk about my favorite moment of The Leftovers, the end of season two, where uh, there's a great moment between Kevin Garvey and a character who, uh, in case you haven't seen the show, I will not spoil. Uh, but uh, this other character uh, enacts uh, an act of violence on Kevin Garvey uh, and in a crossroads of uncertainty where this character has no idea what to do with their life. Kevin Garvey says, even though you tried to kill me, you can come over to my house if nobody's home at yours. Um, and yeah. it's that real, real good grace, uh, that real good grace shit that I love so much. So if you have uh, been putting off the leftovers and are enjoying this conversation now might be a good time to do it. Uh, one of my favorite rock musicals, Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny. We kept nice. talking about how great Jesus Christ Superstar would be with Jack Black in the cast. Uh, give yourself a film where uh, Jack Black and Kyle Gass have a damn rock off with the devil as played by Dave Grohl. Uh, what more do you need? Uh, yeah, Dave Grohl, sorry. Uh, what more do you need? Uh, it's an absolute uh, just work of wonder. Finally, um, one of the uh, other best Jesus movies we've ever done for the Good Trash Genre cast, He Got Game is the last film I would recommend you pair with this film. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dolster. Mr. Alex Sanchez, what do you say? Shelf or trash? Elser instead. Shelf. It's and, Praise Down Canon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is absolutely Praise Down Canon. Shelf, uh, 12 Disciples. Uh, welcome to the Fishers of Men Club to Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> welcome. Um, I, As far as something to pair with this, I would say if you've never listened to the Proto Men, uh, the first and second album by the Proto Men, they're two concept albums about revolutionary figures in the Mega Man universe. Nice. Yeah, listen, look, I get it, but those albums have both made me cry multiple times. They are high-level good music. Um, if you like high notes, a lot of the same things that happen in, in Jesus Christ Superstar happen in the Proto Men. A lot of high notes. A lot of of low notes. Yeah, a lot of low notes. A lot of heroes questioning whether or not they're supposed to be heroes and what that means and what it means to change the world and what you have to do to get that accomplished. Uh, I I said that as – that was the end of the sentence. I should have 
inflected that differently. You, you, <laughs> you just croaked into the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely played. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Alex Sanchez. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what do you say? Shelf for trash, Elser instead. I'm going to shelf it. I, I, I think it's really good. I, I enjoy it quite a bit, and I think it's uh, definitely rewatchable. Uh, to pair with it, I think you need some more Norman Jewishin, so I would say in the heat of the night, uh, talk about, you know, revolutionary, and mm-hmm. uh, they do call him Mr. Tibbs, as a matter of fact. Uh, also, get you some new Hollywood cinema. I would say uh, One Flew with Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, get you some Jack Nicholson in there. Uh, if you want a fun take on the uh, Judas Iscariot uh, mythology, you could take in Dracula 2000. Yes. Uh, and check that out. Uh, and then if Wait, wait, wait. Heath made a face. Yeah, Dracula's fucking Judas Iscariot in these movies. Well, check it yeah. out. He's afraid of silver, you know, like 30 pieces. He always has to untie the knots because he hung himself. He's afraid of Christian iconography, and he drinks blood because he didn't get to have communion. Shit. Dracula's Judas. That is a... That is... That's an... Ex- <laughs> Alex is yelling. That's an extremely fun take. I've, I also like Cain uh, as the source of all vampires. Also a fun uh, mythology yeah. I enjoy. The Undertaker's brother? Uh, Finally, uh, if you've found yourself asking those questions of doubt, I think Mother uh, would pair well there. And I think it would be a fun rock opera uh, if you want to change the game up a little bit. Uh, So those would be my uh, Elsa's with Jesus Christ Superstar. Excellent, Arthur Gordon. I also would say Shelf, and I did have Mother in my Elsa's as well. I totally agree. I think it's a great bit of Targum on uh, the uh, story of Genesis up through, you know, uh, the uh, Christian era. Sort of Targum of human history. Or the story of what it's like to be in a relationship with um, the director of the film, Darren Aronofsky. Yeah, take your pick. (laughs) Both end. I I know. That's what's so great about that film. Yeah, it's both end. It's everything. uh, My Jesus film recommendation is um, Last Temptation of Christ. I think it does rest with this idea. Your favorite Christ movie. It is my favorite Christ movie because I don't know how much Jesus knew because I do believe in the doctrine of kenosis, which is the total emptying, that he emptied himself, as it says in Philippians 2, that he didn't know. And uh, he only got bits and pieces as he got bits and pieces. And it's tough, you know. And Talk uh, about that no mind. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, you know, there's, a, there's definitely a... Uh, overlap there um and then lastly in terms of just living out faith in the contemporary area um that would be mean streets by martin scorsese um you know because you know you do all this stuff in church but it's kind of bullshit you know you live it out in the streets uh and that's that's the line in the film and i stand by it um and uh, that's you know it's good stuff i'm gonna popcorn in one more else another pairing if you appreciated the relationship that judas and jesus had ferris bueller's day off holy shit Damn, dude. You just rewrote that movie in my head. Wow. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Damn, Ferris as a Christ. Wait, is, is Ferris the Christ character? Cameron's yeah. Judas. Cameron's Judas. Wow. Sloan is Damn. Mary Magdalene. It's way better. It's way fucking better than Fight Club uh, overlapping <laughs> with the Ferris Bueller. Wow. That, yeah, wow. Okay, well, my head canon just changed. Thank you very much. Uh, dear listener, your syllabus <laughs> just got longer. Um, Wait, no. Is Ferris's sister Judas? <laughs> <laughs> We got to move on. Yeah, sorry. We, we got we got to go home. We can't the, do this. That's, this is the pilot for our new Ferris Bueller is Christ podcast coming to the Good Trash Network. <laughs> Save Ferris. Moving right along. Ferris Bueller and the Mono Myth. <laughs> 
Arthur, we're going to do one more movie. Uh, we're yeah, going to do a lot more, actually. We're going to do one more show. One day at a time, guys. Uh, Just one more show, Dustin. One day at a time. Sweet Jesus. Somehow we've fallen into some sort of musical marathon here at Good we Trash uh, with uh, the pseudo-musical uh, Willy Wonka and now Jesus Christ Superstar. We're going to keep that ball rolling. Uh, an asteroid landed outside, and we found a little potted plant. We're going to visit the Little Shop of Horrors next week on the Good Trash genre cast. So little Rick Moranis in the house. It's going to be good times. Not the Jack Nicholson version, if you're looking out there, dear listeners. Uh, be sure you do get the musical version of that film and uh, we'll be looking at that and be having a conversation we thank you again Heath and Alex from the Praise Down for coming on the show thank you for inviting us on it was really wonderful yeah I agree with him (laughs) yeah it's uh, it's the end of the show now Uh, Alex Heath do you guys want to end since this is a crossover do you want to end the show as you always uh, end your shows yeah let's end it with our classic as we always end the good trash genre cast Mm -hmm. Movies, films, and pictures, too. They all move, and so should you. Okay, well, there you go, dear listener. You keep watching, we'll keep talking, and we'll see you all next time. Holy Ghost riding the whip, what, 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 what,